Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AHA Moments Radio Show for the inspiration, education, and celebration of enlightened living worldwide. I'm Mari, and happy Tuesday. Here we are again, and today we are talking all about procrastination. So one of my favorite topics, I am a huge procrastinator, (laughs) but I I should say I'm a huge procrastinator, but... um, deliberate. Sometimes it's deliberate. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. And I also preface this show by saying I never ask you to do anything I haven't done myself. So today we're going to talk about procrastination and what it is and what it is not. We're going to talk about some key ways to get out of, you know, to get moving and get out of your own way. And we're going to talk about how um, it can get in the way of your manifesting results, how to incorporate some energy and frequency into solving procrastination issues, and how um, some interesting uh, nuances about procrastination, how uh, sometimes it's actually in your favor to procrastinate. It's actually not such a bad thing. So we're going to get all into that uh, in just a few minutes. We are now past the eclipse, doesn't the energy feel lighter this week? It's almost like a totally different year. And um, we are in a waning moon, so that means that it is less moonlight. Excuse me, each night I was drinking some water, I apologize. And uh, since we get less and less moonlight each night, it feels like the tide is out a little bit in the energy. So you may feel like procrastinating a little bit more now than you would during a waxing moon. We're in a waning moon right now. And usually what happens is the energy, as we get less and less moonlight each night, we get have a little bit less energy. It's like a pullback. So this is a good time for clearing and for um, researching and for just allowing, um, being in receptive mode, not like, you know, beating the doors down per se. I mean, obviously if you have to, you have to, but it's not like a, a full-on retrograde or anything like that. But it is it is a time where, you know, to, you can set some intentions for the week to just be in a state of allowing for the week, to just be in a state of receptivity. See what comes your way. Sometimes you, you, you need to let things come your way. You don't need to go and, you know, pound pavement for them um, the way you, you might want to in the waxing moon when the tide is in and it's all about collecting things and acquiring things and things coming into complete fruition. So... With that being said, sometimes if you don't know what the energy is doing as far as the moons and the eclipses and the retrogrades and stuff, you can misidentify what your real feelings are. Sometimes you think you're procrastinating, but actually this engine for you to get something done, right? Because a lot of times we go into a lot of self-blame, and that's why that's where uh, procrastination can get dangerous because it spins us into all sorts of judgments about ourselves and gets um, and that makes the whole problem even worse than than it is. Um, remember, change happens within an instant. The actual 
the, the actual choice to change, when you actually choose, it takes an instant. Then putting the steps, that's what takes some more time, you know, taking the necessary action steps. But the actual shift, the actual change is, is instantaneous when you make that decision. So we're going to talk all about that. And so and I'm sure I can always feel the channeling coming in, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot more than what I have in my notes to, <laughs> to discuss. Uh, just a couple of announcements before we get into that content. And uh, first announcement is we have our um, Frequency First Mastermind is going to be starting its next round on March 1st, in the, that, that first week of March. And I am taking applications and uh, I have some invitations out to certain people who have shown some some real promise as far as advanced work is concerned. When I do readings, I um, when people take readings with me, have readings with me. I sometimes I'll I'll give them an invitation because I can see in their energy that they are definitely carved out for this type of work in a you know in a bigger way. But if you would like to apply for one of our coveted spots or mine, I have a couple left. Um, and the way that you do that is to send me an email at support at ahamomentsinc.com, support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, at ahamomentsinc.com, and um, we'll get an application over to you so we can take a look and see if it's a good fit. And then if you are a good fit, uh, you will do six weeks of group coaching and then six weeks of private with me, and we'll pick whatever project you want to work on, and we will get you get you moving. So, um the, this particular mastermind coming up is going to be uh, quite powerful because we'll be working with some new energies and also preparing for our live event, which is the Summit by the Sea, which will be um, June 8th, 9th, and 10th. And um, those who are part of the mastermind are able to come to the Summit by the Sea for a reduced rate. And, um, and those who are not part of the mastermind um, there are some prerequisites to come to the Summit by the Sea. So if you're interested in learning more about that, it's a three-day live event here in La Jolla, right on the ocean, and we do all sorts of really cool things. Um, we do a lot of work with energy and the ocean and working on the cliffs and um, doing all sorts of manifesting work. And some, uh, it's really a practical roll up your sleeve and, uh, get the job done, uh, kind of a workshop. It's it's experiential. It's kind of like a manifesting laboratory here on the ocean. It's really powerful. We do some really fun activities at night. Last year we did, we had an aura photographer who takes a picture of your aura in the beginning of the event. So on, on our Friday morning session, we get aura pictures taken. And she's actually coming back this year. And then on the last day of the event, on Sunday, she comes back and takes a picture of your aura after the, all the processes was done. And last year's pictures were amazing, the shifts that we could see in the actual energy of our participants. Um, we also do, uh, last year we had a big crystal bowl sound healing concert at night. We had energy vortex hunting, which will probably do some more this year of that. And uh, just, just all sorts of things. We're planning out all sorts of things for this year. So if you if that is intriguing to you, you'll get to meet people who are really working with the parallels and the electromagnetic fields and all the advanced stuff that we do. Um, 
and we'll be doing some really cool manifesting processes and going very deep into some new dimensional work as well. So this is for advanced folks. This is um, it's not for people who want to just dabble and going to a nice pretty place and talking about spirituality for a few few hours, going off with their friends for some of it and coming back for some other parts of it. That's not what this is. This is really an intensive um, workshop for enlightened um, beings who want to increase their skills. Lots of, it's like kind of like Hogwarts in La Jolla. Okay, so that that should be intriguing enough. So you can, again, if you're interested in applying to participate in that, you can send me an email at support at summit. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> I think it's Support at ahamomentsinc.com, and we'll get you the information. You also will probably see coming out about both of these things in your inbox. Um, but again, both of them are by invitation, application only. So you will need to let us know if you'd like the application. And then finally, we have a new course coming out, and it'll probably be registering starting the, the end of this week. Um, maybe by Thursday-ish, Thursday, Friday-ish. And that is called Phoenix Rising. And it's all about using um, all those advanced processes that I was talking about before, the, the um, parallel realities, creating uh, electromagnetic fields, all kinds of frequency work around coming up from the ashes in your life, coming and leaving the past behind, coming up and not just, surviving what you've been through in the past, past relationships, job losses, any kind of major situation that you've had to overcome, but really setting forward um, into your your true self and really pushing that forward in your life and, and, and coming up and completely transforming with the help of those parallel realities. It's kind of like um, second chances, you know, and the universe will always bring you a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance. Um, this is going to be a workshop completely focused on generating those second chances and actually um, taking advantage of them when they show up, being ready being ready and stepping into your own power once again. So um, it's all downloading. I'll know more, see more coming through your inbox over the next few days about Phoenix Rising. Um, I, I haven't been told whether it's going to be a four-week or six-week course. Um, it'll probably be uh, probably anywhere between four and six weeks. We'll figure that out in the next day or so. And there'll also be the option for some private coaching to go along with that. Um, as a supplement if if you're interested. So big course, very intensive. There's no prerequisite for that particular course. Um, but, it, you know, if you're interested in, in taking a deeper dive with me in the work, I would love to have you. It's going to be one of the few telecourses that I do um, this year. All right? Okay, so support at ahawomensinc.com and make sure you're on our list if you aren't already at theahaway.com T-H-E-A-H-A-W-A-Y.com uh, so that you if you if you sign up over, over there you'll get our emails and hear about all this new stuff because um, none of this that I just talked about is on the website <laughs> alright so um, I think that's it oh one last thing if you'd like to call in and ask a question tonight you can do so at 917-889-2626 that's 917-889-2626 and if we have some callers we will take some questions i see some people are on the line right now 
Um, and we'll see who wants to ask the question a little bit later. Okay, so now that all that has been said, let's talk about procrastination. The first thing is um, procrastination is different than laziness. Laziness is apathy. Right? It's when you don't really want to do anything at all, whereas procrastination is usually swapping one activity out for another. So instead of you're not necessarily sitting around being lazy, you're, what you're doing is um, an activity that's not as high of a priority as whatever it is you're procrastinating about, you're choosing to do something differently, right? And, and why would that, you know, why do we do that? I mean, if we know that there's something that's really uh, needs to get done, we sometimes avoid it, right? We pick something else to do in its place. So that's the difference. If, if you're lazy, that there's no action. You're just literally like laying down in front of the TV or, or you know, or doing whatever. But you're not you're not swapping out distinction. If you're going to take the energy to do, um, to do something other than what you think it is you should be doing, that is what we consider to be procrastination. So with that though, the idea of making a choice to do something different than what you think you should be doing is, is really actually a very neutral thing. Everything that we do is neutral until we find meaning to it, right? So if you say, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to procrastinate in an empowered way. I'm going to put that project on hold or that task on hold because I just really don't want to do it right now. I just don't want to do it. I know the consequences. Consequences are I'm sabotaging my progress or I'm not going to finish on time or I might lose money because this doesn't get done or I might lose, you know, something. Uh, but you're aware of it and you're doing it from an empowered way. That's actually from a frequency perspective healthier. Kind of weird because I'm starting at a weird point, but this is literally what's channeling in, so I'm just saying it as it comes. It's actually not such a bad thing. Because you're taking some power and you're just saying, okay, I'm going to own this. You know, it's kind of like when you're on a diet and you decide you have to have that piece of chocolate cake. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to have this. I'm going to own it. I know I'm setting myself back a pound or two, but I'd rather just have this now. This is the choice I'm making, and you're doing it from an empowered place. When you do it that way, you know, it's not going to, from a frequency perspective, it's not going to have um, all that much damage. However, it is very rare that when we're procrastinating, and we're using that word, that we are doing it in any kind of self-loving, kind of self-actualized way. We're usually doing it to avoid something else and something that, you know, we feel we should do. We're using it to, um, we're using procrastination or that delay to, for a number of reasons. One could be you're afraid, right, of, of doing it or um, afraid of being judged if it's once it's done, like I know a lot of people procrastinate on writing their book or finishing their book. They start writing the book, but they don't finish. They procrastinate on finishing those last chapters because what happens after the book is finished? Well, now you have to sell it. To sell it either to a publisher or direct it to the consumer who's going to buy it. And guess what they get to do? They get to tell you whether it sucks or whether it's good. <laughs> you know, they get to tell you, they get to judge. 
you have critics, you have reviews, you have publishers, you have editors, you have all kinds of people who are going to, who are going to open up those intimate pages that you so painstakingly wrote, and now you're going to be up against judgment. And this is why a lot of artists, their work never sees the world, whether you're a writer, um, speakers, this happens to uh, chefs who are presenting their work. I mean, whenever it's artists and creative people, we go through this all the time, all the time. It's like we're all gung-ho to start a project, but getting it done, well, maybe it needs another round of edits. Well, maybe I need to take another certification course before I go out and I do that speech. Well, maybe I need another, you know, X, Y, Z before I, I let myself finish because we're afraid of judgment. We're afraid of crit- criticism. We also could be afraid of success, right? We could be afraid that if, if I let myself really uh, do well in this business and get all this money, uh, people might not, my family might not accept me anymore because I have so much more money than they do. All, you know, those types of things. Or how would my friends think I was if I, you know, if I actually became this and nobody else, uh, nobody else was ever. You know, so, so there's there's kind of the fear of success. There's the fear of failure. There's the fear of loss. There's so there's those types of fears. There's also um, judgment which makes procrastination stick harder, right? And this is where the sabotage comes in because when you start to, remember, wherever you focus your attention, your energy follows. So wherever you focus your attention, your energy follows. If you focus on criticizing somebody, guess what? Your energy is following that. And then all of a sudden you start getting criticized by somebody and you're all pissed off because so-and-so is criticizing you, but you were just criticizing somebody. So guess what? Your energy became magnetic, okay? Your, wherever your, your attention goes, your energy follows. And then when you put emotion behind it, positive, negative, or in between, any kind of emotion behind it is the magnetic strip, magnetic strip to bring more of the same to you. So if you are judging yourself or if you're procrastinating and then you also uh, feel stress about it, you feel shame, you feel blame, you feel guilt, you feel fear, you feel any heavy emotion, okay, you are now amplifying it in your frequency. So the procrastination itself, if it's not done in an empowered way, like I explained in the beginning, if it's laced with any of these negative emotions, now you've got this nice big package of junk to go into your field, into your magnetic field, which is bringing this back to you. So what you'll find when you procrastinate is that all of the things that you want are delayed, even if that has nothing to do with what you're procrastinating about. You'll notice that you were expecting, you were hoping for a phone call from someone special and it's not coming in. You'll notice that your package from Amazon didn't show up. You'll notice that, um, you know, those stubborn pounds aren't coming off. The weight isn't coming off. You'll notice that uh, some project at work gets put on hold. The check doesn't come in the mail like it's supposed to. You are putting delay energy into your field with the rocket fuel of heavy emotion. And you start to spin your field backwards against you. Because it's in, it's in the field's mind, it's going for you because it's what you're commanding the field to do. So from an energetic perspective, the procrastination part 
is one piece, but the emotion around it is what really amplifies the consequences of that procrastination. Remember, it's not just the, the, the task that you're avoiding that's not getting done. You're also, with all of that drama around it, you're influencing a whole lot of other things around you that are not getting done. And then what happens? It compounds. And then you start to get stressed out over other things. And then things start to pile up. You look around your house and it is cluttered to the point of no return. Now, there's always going to be some clutter except for, you know, the real neat type people, of course. You know, if you just moved, I know I have a lot of boxes around. I moved uh, right before Christmas and, and so there's just organizing and things to do and decorating and so blah, blah, blah. But, um, but for the most part, every place, everything has its own place and even the stuff that is sort of still out of its places and, you know, it's neatly in boxes. So I don't feel bogged down by clutter in the house. Um, but if you look around your car, you look around your house and you see, you know, mayhem, what are you procrastinating about? Am I procrastinating about decluttering the house or is there something else that I'm procrastinating about? Because what happens is if there's something else you're procrastinating, something else that's not the clutter itself, you will find that because you're delayed in that thing that you're worried about, that you start to build other um, barriers around you so that you have some tiers of distraction to keep yourself from thinking about the first thing that you should be getting done. Right, so if you're really worried about um, finishing your certification for a particular thing you want to get qualified for, and you put it on hold, and you're procrastinating about getting the applications in or doing the final exams or whatever, having a whole lot of clutter around you so you can be distracted with, oh, I have so much clutter. Oh, I don't know how to organize myself. I don't know all these boxes. Oh, it's a it's a distractor, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a deflector, deflects from the core. Thing. And then, of course, you put a lot of blame and shame and guilt and fear and anxiety and all that. And now you're compounding it through, from a frequency perspective, through many parts of your life, many day parts, many morning, noon, night type of thing, and many categories, right? Because now we're talking about the house and the mess. And then you start to catastrophize. And the catastrophizing comes in, I'll never get this done, oh my gosh, you know, all this bad stuff is going to happen. Then you start watching the news. Sometimes you use the news to procrastinate about other things. Um, and we start to get obsessive on, um, you know, we have our little uh, deflective topics in our world. Like sometimes, you know, if you're really worried about money, you might like all of a sudden start picking on your relationship because you don't know how to handle the money thing. But if you start focused, like obsessing on the relationship thing, is a deflector from the money thing, even though the money thing is really the issue, the relationship thing was kind of fine. So you have to look at, you can even make a little mind map for yourself, which is a great tool. It's where you take a piece of paper and you write a diagram. You say, okay, write down like the names of all the various things that you might either be procrastinating about or things that are stressing you out. And then circle the thing that you know is the real core and then to like map out a plan, you know, like what tasks would I need to do for this to stop being such a, you know, such a fearful thing or such a stuck thing, you know, and you can even order like how, how do I get myself unstuck 
uh, from each thing. Like, what would I need to? What do I need to accomplish for this certification to be complete? What do I need to accomplish for this weight loss to be complete? What do I? You know, blah blah blah. You can you can task it out. You can Google mind mapping uh, and 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 see. There's all sorts of programs and. You know, there's all sorts of stuff on the Internet on how to do a good mind map. You know, there's lots of free stuff out there. So really, really great tool um, for for sort of um, giving yourself a visual. And I notice that when I write things down, uh, you know, make lists or, like, do a mind map just to help myself sort of unravel what seems to be a, a tangle of yarn, it it gives me a sense of relief. And when I get that relief, then I, there's an opening for solutions. Okay, so that's the next step is when you have, you know, whatever you're procrastinating about, and you, you do this, this mind map, what you're doing, what, what you really want to reach for before trying to force yourself to get this thing done by just will and grit and all that, um, as you can see, you've built up a pretty good wall if you've been doing a good share of this, you know, this frequency-killing procrastination um, the way that what you want to reach for is not necessarily going all the way to I will be successful and get this thing done, but the first thing you want to reach for is a sense of relief because usually when we're procrastinating about something, there's, there's a compounding effect happening like what I've been describing. But if you can find a sense of relief, meaning you can um, do a mind map and then you can see it on paper and say, okay, now it's all written down. My first task is this. I'm going to get this task done. And you go do that task. Or you can hire a life coach for a session or two. Or you can hire a time management or accountability coach for a session or two. Or you can, um, you know, uh, find a friend who also has a problem, you know, has a particular thing they're procrastinating on and kind of help each other out so that somebody's, you know, listening to you and don't feel alone. I know that I had a friend who um, procrastinated about opening the mail. She was worried about things she couldn't pay for. And um, and so she would call me and we'd be talking on the phone and she would go and she'd open the mail because she felt like if she was on the phone with somebody that she was more, felt safer. She felt like, okay, it was like a little bit of a distraction. and It was less, there was no... What I think it, for her, what it really was is that because she could do that while she was on the phone with someone, she judged herself less for what she saw in the mail. And a lot of times there was nothing in the mail, so it was junk mail, you know, so it was fine. It was kind of had become a little bit of a phobia for her. So, but the the point is that sometimes you do need somebody to hold your hand, right, when you're trying to get something done and you, and you feel like, you know, you're in your own way or you just feel really, really stuck. Um, the other thing, another tool for for um, procrastinating on one project is to say, okay, I'm going to work on something else, like let's say tackling um, emptying out a closet or something. Something that doesn't have a charge on it. Something like or giving the dog a bath or something like that. Do something else task-oriented and feel the success of that and sometimes that gives you enough engine to say you know what let me get this thing done and you go and you sort of detach and you just you know you get the thing you've been procrastinating done now one of the other big um, things that gets in the way well one of the other big reasons why 
you might be procrastinating may not have anything to do with avoidance because of delinquency, <laughs> um, as we often assign it, you know, or the fears or the fear of failure or whatever. One of the biggest uh, subconscious reasons for procrastinating that I've seen in my clients and also in myself is when we don't really know how to do something. If we get to a point, I know being an entrepreneur, you have to wear so many hats. And um, it's not like in my corporate days where I had a $40 million budget to work with and I could just hire tons and tons of people to do everything. Um, And there's so many hats you wear. And sometimes you hit up on something and you say, okay, I know I need to shoot that video, but I don't know how to edit it. Or I don't know how to put it up on YouTube. Or I don't know how to light it. Or I don't know how to, you know, X, Y, Z it. And so because you don't know how, you put a stop in front of you and say, oh, I don't know how to do it, so I'm going to avoid it. Oh, let's see, what else can I do? Because I don't know how I would do that. I don't know. Or, you know, people do that with writing books all the time. It's like, well, if I don't know how to get an agent, I don't know how to get a publisher. Because you think all the way to the end, like, oh, you want to see the book in Barnes & Noble. Well, how would I get in Barnes & Noble? I have no idea how to get in Barnes & Noble. Okay, I guess I'm not going to write until I, you know, figure that out. Or I guess I'm just going to, well, I'll just leave that project for later because I really just don't know how to do that. Right? I just don't know how. Or there's a piece of the project you don't know how, so you slow yourself down or you stop. And that's what is the, and then you start, you label it as procrastination, which is wrong, is not the right label for it. It's lack of education. That's the label for it. Okay, it's a lack of understanding which is different than procrastination. You don't know how to do something, and you're, you're, you're not necessarily avoiding it. You're at a stop, right? Now, when you start to sort of blow it up and misidentify it and not give yourself permission to sort of be a student or be a beginner or, or, or just be in the unknown, We've, you know, in, in America in particular, we get rewarded for having all the answers and being decisive and, and being able to, you know, grit it out, gut it out, and get the job done and all that. But sometimes uh, that doesn't really work like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work that well. You know, we really do need more uh, more support, more help. And so um, we, we just need to know how. We need to know how. So the best way to do that is to um, Google and whatever. Sam tells me a lot. I've asked him, like, different things. I've gotten stuck technologically and stuff on things. Sam, my producer, he always says, he's always good for saying, you know, if you go on YouTube, there's a tutorial for that. There's a tutorial for that. There's a t- and you know what? He's right. He gives us tutorials for everything on YouTube. It's, it's fascinating to see. Like, you don't, you don't think about it. Between Siri, asking Siri for help, and a basic Google search and tutorials on YouTube, you can, you can get through quite a bit. You can get through quite a bit. And, um, and you know, even on Facebook, I've done things like just put on a post, you know, hey, does anybody have a recommendation for X, Y, Z? And um, and you get a fair amount of response to that as well, obviously depending on how relevant it is to your audience. So the first antidote to procrastination is to actually make a judgment on, you know, make it this uh, – um, discernment on what's the what's the engine of this procrastination. Is it first? Do I know how to do everything that I need to do from end to end? 
Because if you don't, then it may be that you're stopping because you don't know how. Then if you answer yes to all that and you're just avoiding doing the work, that's when you go into that next layer, doing something else to get you sort of in the, in the action mode and feeling good about, some, uh, you know, another task. Um, one of the other things that um, I find that makes it very hard to get certain things done that I know are going to be very, you know, heavy that I've been procrastinating about is if I'm disorganized or if I'm really tired. So um, it's sometimes it's good to take a power nap before, like especially a writing project. When I was writing my book, oh my gosh, one mess. <laughs> this is there's no writing books is messy. There's nothing neat and sweet about writing a book. Um, but I remember having to like hypercaffeinate and take a power nap. Not in that order. Power nap and then hypercaffeinate and then I could. And, and working in the middle of the night. That's like what I had to do. When I listened to Gary Vanderchuk, is that his name, Vanderchuk? Um, he's a big entrepreneur. He had a wine thing and he's a wine company. And he, he's a huge, like, very irreverent entrepreneur. Um, and several of the other ones, <clears throat> Tim Ferriss, who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, they talked about the same thing. They had to take naps and they had to hyper-caffeinate and then – they have to work in the middle of the night and they can get their writing projects done. That's when they're going to, you know, you can just put your head down and just like, just like the pen's like writing itself. If you try to be like what you think it should be on paper, get up bright and early at, you know, at 7 a.m. and have a good breakfast and sit down and look at the blank screen and, and write from, you know, 8 until 1, you know, 5 in the afternoon. No. It's, it's, for a lot of people, that just doesn't, especially creative types, it doesn't work. We feel better in the wee hours of the morning for whatever, you know, that's a whole different show of why that is that way, but <laughs> but it is true. So knowing your time of day, your high times of day, knowing your own clock, your own biology helps a lot too. When is your power time? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I'm writing, even when I'm writing these shows or when I'm writing an article or any kind of, any kind of creative work where I have to develop something, I start at 10 o'clock at night and I go to 2 o'clock in the morning. That's my high time. That's it. That's it. If I'm recording videos, trust me when I tell you they're done at midnight to 4 in the morning. <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm, it, I just can't, I just don't feel the engine. I don't feel it turn on. And so if I don't feel it turn on, it just the work doesn't get done. And I used to beat myself up about that and give myself all kinds of extra obstacles with all the judgment and, oh, you know, oh, you should, you know, you should be like everybody else and get up at 9 o'clock and do this. No, I, nothing's happening for me at 9 o'clock other than maybe meditating and feeding my cats. Not, it's just, otherwise, it's not happening. Don't try to talk to me. Don't text me. You know, people try to text me in the morning. No, don't text me in the morning. Don't text me before 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Just don't, you know. Um, and, you know, I know myself, right? So it's important to honor um, your power times, you know, so if you're going to tackle that closet or whatever it is that you're tackling, think about the timing of it. Um, putting together a uh, a plan, helpful, right? Like the mind map, like, a, like what I was talking about. Um, and the other thing is, and I was just looking at my notes here, um, which I'm glad I had written this down, 
one of the other major, major things that gets in the way with us when it comes to procrastination is perfectionism. And there's an expectation we, we put on ourselves that everything has to be perfect. We have some sort of standard. And that knowing that we're not going to hit that standard could also be a big deterrent as far as, you know, how we go about doing something or if, if we even start. You know, so when you're thinking about that task that's been bothering you and that you haven't gotten done, that it's time to get done, um, think of, listen to the voice in your head. Listen to the core voice that's talking to you about it. Is it your own voice? voice of someone else, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse or something in your head, that a judgmental voice, an inner critic, okay? Whose voice is that? And that's where you need to, you know, this is where some journaling will come in, um, into play. This is where going for a good walk, getting out in nature to sort of tease out enough energy so that you can get reconnected to your intuition. Um, this is very, very uh, helpful. Right? It's very important to recognize what voice is going on in your head. Because if you're listening to the wrong voice, then you're contributing to that, that emotional bucket, that, you know, the repelling emotional bucket, live with the stress, the shame, the blame, guilt, fear, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So um, going for a walk in nature, if you can, is really helpful. Or exercising, period. Um, exercise does a lot of things because energy, um, intuitive information, and when you're procrastinating, getting some intuitive information is very, very helpful. Intuitive, it can be very reassuring. It can give you the solution that you need. It can direct you in the right direction if you don't have enough information, et cetera, et cetera. So stepping into your intuition and really getting connected to that is very, very helpful. And one of the best ways to do that is to get out in nature or to move your body right? Um, three ways. One, either exercise, you can be in a gym or whatever, go out for a walk, get out in nature, especially by a body of water. Water is an amplifier of intuitive energy. So you will be able, because number one, you breathe deeper when you're around a body of water, um, takes in more oxygen. Uh, energetic information travels on the molecules of oxygen and it, and it goes into every cell. So you get that sense of knowing which is what you're really seeking. Thinking and knowing are two different things. So you, if you want that sense of knowing, like I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, get outside, breathe deeply, get near a body of water if you can, and and you will start to connect in with that intuitive voice. You can just ask, set your intention before you go on your walk or you're sitting next to the ocean or whatever, and just ask. You know, here's this is this is what I need to know most right now. What do I need to know most right now about this particular project? You know, show me the way. And um, you can call in angels to help you. You know, you can call in a band of a hundred angels to support you with clarity um, and knowing. Uh, this you know variety of different things you can do in that regard. Do that, and then you breathe deeply, and you walk, move, move your body. And what that does is that you're taking in oxygen. You're, the, the answers to what you're asking for coming from your higher self, traveling on the molecules of oxygen that you take into your body, so it gets into your cells, which gives you that sense of knowing. You know, and they say, oh, I knew within every cell of my body. That's what that is. 
is that the oxygen is carrying the information. It's hitting each cell. Each cell has its own intelligence and its own sense of knowing. That's why you get the truth bumps, right? You get the goosebumps. Your body will give you an indicator that you're dealing with truth. And this whole communication process, this whole intuitive communication process, is one of the best antidotes to procrastinating. Because then you get not only a sense of knowing, but a sense of, of um, peace and relief which makes taking whatever those tasks are that you need to take a lot easier, okay? Now, I know it's winter in most parts of the world, <laughs> okay? Um, here in San Diego, we're, we're in sweater weather, but um, we're not snow and ice and all the things that I see going on in Iowa and on the East Coast and whatnot. If you are in that type of weather and you can't get out to a body of water and breathe deeply as I'm describing at this time, you can do the same thing in your shower. And at the shower, uh, you can you have all the same elements. You can um, you have your water, and you breathe much deeper in the shower. A lot of one of my clients gets she calls them shower messages. She does a lot of channeling, kind of like me. She's in my mastermind group, and uh, she's been in for quite some time. And um, she, when I talked to her on Tuesday, she says, oh, I got so many shower messages today. I got so many. And she gets, like, whole notebooks. She has, she has whole notebooks of downloads from her shower messages from years and years and years of stuff. And um, But she knows. She knows that she can jump in the shower, and she just she takes deep breaths, and she's, you know, you're breathing deeper. You've got a lot of steam in the shower. Um, you're taking in a lot of oxygen. You're around, around water. Water's an amplifier. The oxygen is a transit. You know, and it it it's uh it carries the uh, information, the carrier, and uh, you know, and then you also have focus, right? Because when you're in the shower, you're just like you kind of zone in, right? You got it's very much of a trance state when you're in a shower, um, very similar. So you're inducing that same kind of energy as you would if you were out by a body of water. You know, you're getting the same general. Uh, Thing. You, if you either don't have time to get out to the body of water or you can't because the weather doesn't allow, uh, the shower is the next best thing. Taking a hot bath is, you know, soaking in the water is, is wonderful too, you know. Um, either way, either way. But the point is that you want to get that intuitive information going. You want that flowing, okay? Now, you don't want to... Uh, do all of this without giving yourself some sort of reward. And one of the things we happen to do when we have procrastinated on something and then we finally get it done, we, sometimes we beat up on ourselves and say, gosh, I should have done It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I should have done that so much sooner. And we beat ourselves up for finishing, right? <laughs> it's like not only did you beat yourself up before, but then you finally got the courage to get it done. And then once you get on the other side of it, you beat yourself up for it taking so long. And then a lot of times you've rushed and it's subpar. And then so then there's that too, right? So you're now, remember, every time you do this, if you're not thinking from a frequency-based perspective, thinking like a muggle, which is the non-magical people, okay, like a regular person, you will not think that this is anything more than just more stress. But if you're thinking from a frequency-based perspective as your frequency first and you're thinking from a magical perspective as the, an enlightened perspective that, this, you know, those who are members of this community do, you will recognize that you are creating kind of a backlash in your frequency 
by beating yourself up on the other side of succeeding at, 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 you know, finishing a project. So you need to make a choice on how you're going to address yourself through this whole process. And that means that, you know, right now I'm talking about you finished whatever it is that you need to finish and you're going to give yourself some sort of reward for doing that. Okay. As opposed to, you know, and I, you know, it's funny because um, I do readings on uh, Bob Olson. Um, he has a, a psychic call line and I do readings on the, on there periodically. This last couple of months I've been doing a fair amount. And people call in and they, most of the time they're asking about relationships. And it's, it's fascinating to hear people talking about their relationships and what they call in for. Um, and one of the things I find is that women will have an argument with a guy and the guy will fix it, whatever it is you need to fix. And she'll say, well, you know, I was really upset because he was supposed to do this, this, and this. And then he did it. You know, like, okay, good. And then, you say, and then they say, but, you know, he should have done this over, you know, this time, this time, this time. And the last time this happened, he did whatever. And then he, and then, and they go into this whole dirty laundry thing. And then they want to know why he's cheating or leaving or, you know, any of these things. And it's, and it's, it's like, okay, at some point there has to be a reward, right? You don't want to do that to yourself where you raise the bar on you know, like they, they raised the button. It's like, okay, well, that was good, but he should have done that before, which is raising the bar. Or next time he needs to do it this way, which is raising the bar, which is no reward for like, okay, meeting what the original goal was in the first place. So if you're always raising the bar on yourself when you've completed something, that is a form of self-abuse, okay? It's like saying to a toddler going across the floor, you know, they take three steps and they fall down, or they take three steps and <clears throat> it's one more step than they took the last two. The last time they stood up and they only took two steps, you say, "Oh, thank God, you followed up three steps." You know, you really should have done three steps, two steps to go. You know, really, you took too long to crawl. The first step was, "Oh my God, we had to wait to take the selfie for an." hour for you to get the first step out. We finally get that done. And now, you know, it's taking you, what, a whole week to get the three steps? You know, if you had just done this this way before, like I showed you, if you had held onto the coffee table, okay, and gotten your balance to begin with, you would have taken three steps a week ago. And our video on YouTube would have made it before the deadline for the contest of the cutest kids. And now we've lost $100,000, and your college isn't going to be paid for you know, this is this is what we do to ourselves. I know it sounds a little, you know, over the top, but it's true. If you think about it, how many times have you seen somebody do that? I'm not going to say that you ever do it, but how many times have you seen people do that? I watch women do it to men all the time. I really do. I really do. The guys are kind of like, they don't articulate as much, so you don't hear as much of it. But the women, OMG. <laughs> OMG. And then if he decides he's going to leave her, then they're more hysterical. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know. You know. So you want to you want to be um, what I call frequency mature. 
Okay. Frequency maturity is not raising your bar on yourself, giving yourself some a reward for a job well done. Now, when do you consider the job well done? I personally think that if you've taken a step on something you're really scared of, you've taken a step, then that job, that step is worthy of a major reward. You know, if you finish, oh, my gosh, even bigger. But, you know, if you've completely finished all the steps, but you have to give yourself, and that reward could be just better self-talk. It's like, okay, you know what? All right, I got this much done. All right, so tomorrow's another day. Let me schedule what I'm going to do. Now, scheduling and accountability is very important, too. Um, I do competitive uh, ballroom dancing, Latin dancing, and I I was beating up on my partner, Dimitri, about I wanted a better routine. I wanted a more advanced routine, much better. I have to have this, you know, I want a big sparkly routine. So he, you know, acquiesced. He says, "Okay, okay, I'm going to give you this routine, but you have to, you have to understand. This is, you know, lots of changes of rhythm, times, blah blah blah. You have to practice. You have to get." And um, sometimes I used to like procrastinate, not practice until like two hours before I go into a lesson, and like kind of cram because that's always been my nature to cram. But I realized it was like, you know, kind of not working well. So now that I have this big sparkly routine. What I do is I, I'm so excited about it, you know, it's kind of easier not to procrastinate. I break it into chunks, and when I finish a piece, instead of trying to push myself to learn it all at once and try to, you know, and overface myself, because it is, a, it is a big routine, I take it and I, I divide it into chunks, and I master a chunk, and then that's it for that session. You know, sometimes I'll break my practice sessions into twice a day, like two, two shorter sessions a day. Um, and I will say, okay, all right, I got that piece. Okay, now tomorrow or, you know, later on, I'm going to do this piece. I'm going to do this piece and then add that piece. And I kind of give myself a reward for of just not beating up on myself. <laughs> that could very well be the reward. And then make the next piece of the plan, right? So you start to feel a sense of momentum, okay? That's what you're looking for. When you're getting out of procrastination, you really are looking for a sense of momentum that, you know, so and that can happen by building. Sometimes, like I said, if you're, you know, something really big, you want to do a sub-project, something that doesn't have to do with it, just so you give yourself a feeling of momentum from something else and get your engine of success turned on however way you can. But when you are tackling the actual thing that's, you know, important, breaking it down into chunks, giving yourself, you know, incremental time, incremental rewards, maybe getting a partner or somebody to help you, you know, delegate or, you know, getting somebody to, to talk you through or be by your side through pieces of it, that's, you know, that's fine too. Um, even finding, there's all kinds of groups online for people doing various projects and things like that, so talking to other people and saying, hey, you know, um, when you were writing your book, did you ever procrastinate? I tell you what, um, I love these guys. They give, always remind, remind me of examples. When I was writing my book, I forgot about this. Um, I, I hate writing. I really do. Well, I'm really good at it, but I hate it. Oh, my God. Because I don't like to be tied down for time. That's that's really my thing. I decided to go to a writer's retreat. I treated myself over a holiday, over a New Year's. I think it was 2013 or something. I don't know, 20, yeah, must have been around 2013. And um, there was this place in Vermont, 
And um, I, it, it very serendipitously, you know, synchronistically came across my desk in an email on Facebook or something, you know, one of those Facebook ads, and it was like, you know, this is a writer's retreat. You can spend as many times as, time as you want. And it was like a, a, a um, renovated farmhouse in Vermont on this huge acreage of whatever. And, um, you know, and they were going to do this whole New Year's thing. I said, oh, my goodness, what an amazing thing. I'm going to do this. So I, I signed up, and I went, like, to New Year's day after New Year's and um, you know I kind of was in in the mindset of I'm not a real writer but I'm going to go throw myself into a room and like shut everything down around me and like your phone doesn't work up there because it's it's like snowmageddon oh my god the snow was just unbelievable it's like I was kind of it was a kind of like apocalyptic with the snow but that's not the point of the story but you know anyway I go and uh, and I, I get to this this retreat, and uh, and I'm like, okay, everybody's introducing themselves, and one's like this, you know, he's published like five thousand things, and somebody else's, you know, apps, and she's one like pulling through the who knows why, you know what I mean? It was ridiculous. I mean, and the, the these people were so incredibly talented and so passionate about the writing process, and they live the quote writer's lifestyle. I didn't know there was such a thing as a writer's lifestyle. I didn't know there was such a thing as counting the number of words you got in for the day or a page count for the day. I didn't know how they, like how real writers, like chunked out their day. And it's a whole lifestyle. And one of the guys who was there, um, he taught a, a workshop because he was one of their marks, you know, goes there often to sort of, you know, encapsulate ideas and sort of shut the world down to get some work done. And he taught a workshop on living the writer's lifestyle. Changed my life. Completely changed my life because it gave me permission. It literally taught me a bunch of things that I didn't, a bunch of skills I didn't have. You know, I didn't know about giving myself a daily goal or, you know, I was procrastinating on so many things and they're like, oh yeah, and I was calling it writer's block. They're like, oh well yeah, that's, that piece is this, that piece is this. Oh, this is what, you know, they all had their ways of getting through writer's block. Um, and that's kind of what I was really learning about. Just sometimes you just don't know how to do something, you know, how to structure the book or how to structure the part A, part B, part C, or, you know, how to structure a chapter and all these different things. And they really, it, it took it from the being this big blob of just confusion and, and exhaustion to like this very orderly process. And I saw how they rewarded themselves you know, when they got to certain points and what milestones they gave themselves permission to, like, take a break and rest and how they would, like, finish a project or finish almost all of it and then leave it alone for, like, months and then come back to it. I thought that was, like, a bad thing. Like, I thought that real writers never did that. But most of them do because they come back and then they do their final edit. They'll give it, like, 30 days and they'll come back and they'll look and they'll do their final edit. And it's like, oh, you know, I see this and this and this, and they're in a different mindset. And we've had all sorts of life experiences in the last 30 days that influence maybe how it all ends up, and then they tie it up. But they do finish. That was the other thing about them is because the only way you get published is to finish. So there was nobody who was saying, oh, I never finished anything. They had all published many times. So they weren't afraid of the process or didn't think that they could ever get the process done. They had done it. But just throwing myself into their world, instead of trying to figure it out from the outskirts was was one of the best decisions I could ever make. So hopefully that gives you a bunch of examples of how you can tackle 
whatever projects you're doing, you know, immersing yourself around successful people. What I was complaining about, they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. I used to do that 10 years ago. No problem. This is how you get that done. Oh, Mari, that's so normal. Oh, no, no, no. Sweetie, you need to do this. Okay, no, 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 no. This is normal. We do this too. You know, it's like, whoa, so much permission, so much um, encouragement, you know, and and I ended up, you know, finishing my book and getting published and all that too. So um, very, very powerful to put yourself in amongst others who are successful doing um, what you want to be doing. Very, very powerful. Probably one of the best pieces of advice I could ever give. And to also avoid all the people who are failing at the book thing too, because there's those people that, oh, you didn't write your password? Neither did I. Oh, my God, we'll never get this done. I know, we'll never get it done. Like misery loves company. Stay away from those people. Go to the ones who, you know, always surround yourself with those who are already done what you want to do, and uh, and you'll get the best. So I don't see any questions for tonight. Um, so we're not going to take any callers, and I think we're going to go ahead and wrap the show. Like I said, if you would like to participate in our um, advanced mastermind in, that starts March 1st um, and potentially come to our summit by the sea, send us an email at support at ahamomentthink.com. We'll be happy to get you the information and uh, um, get you the application, and then also keep your eyes peeled for our new course, Phoenix Rising, which will start registration later this week. And uh, make sure you're on our list, and you can do that at theahaway.com. And have a fabulous week. We will end with my motto, which is, you truly can have exactly what you want. You absolutely deserve it too. And in this new energy, anything is possible. Take care, everybody. Have a great night.